Several weeks ago, God uh, laid on my heart a, uh, a sermon, and, um, and I was thinking about how to introduce this. And so here's, here's what I want to introduce. So several years ago, I, I was living in um, my very first house by myself. I was, I was not married. I was single. I'd been in dorms. I'd been in apartments. And so I got my very first house. I rented a house, three-bedroom, one-bath house by myself. And in the back of my house, I had this huge yard. And if you have a huge, huge yard and you're single and there's no prospects for dating, what do you do? You get a dog. And I named my dog Bubba. And if you ever met my dog Bubba, you would know that the name fit Bubba. He, his, his mom was a purebred um, uh, German Shepherd got out and mated with a purebred uh, Labrador retriever and came out with this humongous blockhead and very little brains. Janie hated this dog, but that, I just think it's because he preceded her. But anyway, um, so I had this dog named Bubba, and he acted like Bubba. And so I, I had no prospects. I mean, I was a youth minister. I wasn't dating. I didn't go to the, you know, the bar scene, didn't do any of that stuff. So I'd go play with my dog. And so I had this dog in this huge backyard, but I also had a massive fire ant problem. And my fire ants were just doing a number on me and on my house and on my dog, and I just had enough. So one day I'd mowed, and I'd gone outside and playing with Bubba. We're having a great time, as good a time as a 22-year-old single man in Austin, Texas can have with his dog in the backyard and fire ants. And all of a sudden, I got attacked by fire ants. Now, you have to understand I had been dealing with this for months. This had been building up. And on this day, I did what any God-fearing youth minister would do. I lost my ever-loving mind. And I said, fire? You want fire? I'll give you fire. I went and I got my, my gas can, and I went and I poured gasoline all over the fire ants the whole time. <laughs> and you know what happened, right? I go to light it. Whoosh. Luckily, it did not burn off. That's not how I lost my hair. Uh, it didn't burn me, but it was way more explosion, way more weapons to deal with the surface issue than I needed, right? Has anybody ever done that? You ever taken way too much attitude to a situation than what was required? Oh, no one here has done that. Nobody has done that. Well, that's what happened to me, and that's what happens to a lot of us nowadays. Now, if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your kids get on your last nerve, and they know when they've done it. If they're young enough and they step on your last nerve, they stand there with wide eyes just in fear. They're frozen in fear because I've done it now, mama's three, two, one. If they're old enough to know anything, they head for the hills when they've stepped on your last nerve, right? Because you're about to do something. Somebody is about to get hurt. That's what's going on in this situation when we're talking about this today. <laughs> Somebody's honking their horn. It's happening right now, isn't it? Um, if you lay on that horn, we'll understand and we'll give you a free pass and you can leave and, and go, go have prayer and fellowship with your child. Now, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 25, and when you get to this chapter, David is at the end of his rope. David has been anointed king about 12 years before we get to this point. David, um, his troubles actually started whenever he killed Goliath because the women of the country uh, wrote a song, and in the song they would say, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his ten thousands, and Saul got jealous because Je Saul said, if they're singing songs about him, it's not long before he's going to be king, and everybody knew he was going to be king. Now, Saul 
uh, had David employed in his, in his court, and David would play the harp two different times. King Saul takes his spear and tries to throw and nail David to the wall. He wanted to pin him to the wall. He wanted to kill him. Finally, David runs away. David spends 12 years running from King Saul, running from his life. When we get to chapter 25, he's in a cave in Adullam. Now, not only is he a ca- in a cave, not only is he homeless, running from a crazy, jealous king, listen to the people who get gathered around him. This is 1 Samuel 22, 2. All those who were in distress or in debt or uh, discontented, discontinued, not yet, discontented, gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. He's homeless and he's, he's surrounded by what's described in other places as worthless men. Now, he's at the end of his rope. What does, what does a fugitive from the king in quarantine do with 600. By the time we get here, he's 600 men. There was 400. By, he has 600 men in a cave. How big does that cave have to be to, to house 600 men? I don't want to be in a cave with 600 men. I don't want to be in a cave with 600 worthless men. Can you imagine the smell? Can you imagine how much food it would take to provide for 600 men in a cave in the wilderness? What do you do for a job? You do what, whatever job you can find. And in those days, what would happen was if you had a band of men, you would protect those in your area your territory. So let's say there's a wealthy man. We're about to meet a wealthy man. He has sheep that are in this area. David taught his worthless men to provide a service for all of these shepherds coming out. They would protect them at night and they would keep others from doing anything to them. Any, any bandits coming around, they would protect them from that. They would protect them from wild animals. This was going on. And, and so what else was happening at that time was that it was appropriate if somebody protected your sheep that you would tip them. Do y'all remember back before the pandemic started when we used to go to restaurants? Y'all remember that? And someone would take your order and they would go back to the kitchen, turn in your order. They would refill your drinks and your food and, and they would come at the end and they would bring you a check and then they would go and they would take your money. What is added to that check? It's a tip, right? So in those days, if your men were protecting the wealthy uh, owner's sheep, it was appropriate, appropriate, it was expected for you to give a tip to the, the protectors at sheep shearing time. That's all very important, so remember that when we get there. The better the service, the better the tip. And so we get to 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 2. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time. What time was it? Sheep shearing time. It's tip time. It's time to pay the protector. Show me the money, right? David knows this. Now, David's tired of running. Kings, future kings don't live in caves. Future kings aren't supposed to be homeless and hungry and surrounded by a bunch of riffraff. David knows all of this. And so he sends uh, some men. In just a minute, he's going to send some men. But let's meet the, the main characters. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail. Abigail. Now, they're going to tell us about Abigail first. Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman. And there's some that say she was nice looking. She was form-fitting and everything. She was a great-looking woman inside and out. Listen to her husband, but Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, 
was a crude and was crude and mean in all his, his dealings. Now, here's the interesting thing. Not only did David provide a service, and in those days, if you provided a service, you were entitled to a tip. This man was actually related to King David. He's a distant relative, so a, a second, third, 14th cousin, we don't know. Even more reason that Nabal should provide a tip to David for the service. Now, Nabal was rich. But he was mean and crude, and his word, his name actually means fool, and he's about to live up to that name. If you read through this whole passage, you'll find out that Nabal was harsh, stubborn. He was a tightwad, rich, greedy, deceitful, dishonest, stubborn, and his own wife says this about him in, in verse 25. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool just as his name suggests. Now, how about his wife? She's complete opposite. Abigail means her father's joy. She was not at all like her husband. We're told she's good-looking. She's good inside and out. She thought ahead. She was sensible. She was courageous. She was good within, good without. And according to Proverbs 12, 4, she was this. She was an excellent wife as a crown to her husband. Abigail was a crown to her husband, just the opposite of her husband. And so if you're thinking, if you're reading the story in the Scripture, you're going, how could a beautiful, sensible woman like Abigail end up with a donkey's rear end of a man like Nabal? And some of you immediately are thinking, that's what happened to Janie, right? I know what you're thinking. Beautiful inside and out. How did Doug get her? Well, she's, she's the crown. She's my crown. Now, in verse 15... Well, before that, just imagine her life. Beautiful inside and out. She's married to the fool. He's named a fool. He acts like a fool. He's ugly inside and out. What kind of life would she have? Kind of happens in other instances today. You've already thought of other people. If they're here, don't point at them. If, if, if she's awesome and he's not, don't, just don't do that. Now, in verse 15, Nabal's men come to talk to Nabal's wife. Why? Because you can't talk to Nabal. No one can talk to Nabal. Here's what it says in verse 15. These men, talking about David and his men, have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, this is awesome, day and night they were like a wall of protection around us and our sheep. These guys gave us the best service possible. You need to, he's talking to the wife, you need to take care of them. Now, if this were a movie, you'd be hooked, and you'd say, okay, selfish idiot guy named Fool is, is coming uh, up against our hero of the story, who's the future king, who's pushed beyond his limits. And man, this is going to make for a great, great story. Now, look what happens in verse 4, 1 Samuel 25, 4. When David heard that Nabal was shearing sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Now, you need to understand, he's about to pronounce a blessing on this man who's named Fool. And the word he's going to use is shalom. In, in Israel, shalom means peace and prosperity to you. So this actual translation here says peace and prosperity to you. This is the New Living Translation. And he's going to say shalom to you, shalom to your family, shalom to everything you own. When I was in Israel just eight weeks ago, I got to, to participate in something called a Shabbat meal. It's the Sabbath day meal. This was incredible. The whole day, anybody who was, who was a practicing Jew would say to us, Shabbat Shalom, which means the peace of God be on you as you take a rest on the seventh day, right? Remember, God rested on the seventh day. Practicing Jews still rest on the seventh day. And the greeting they would say is Shabbat Shalom. May you, may you have peace and prosperity as you rest in God's presence. So this is what David is saying to him. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. 
I'm told it's time for us to get paid. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us? Would you be kind to us? Not demanding. He doesn't ask for a percentage like they do at, at restaurants. He just says, would you be kind to us? Since we have come at a time of celebration, please share any provision. Whatever you have, whatever you think is appropriate, would you share with us um, on hand and with your friend David? David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and then they waited for a reply. Now, this is interesting because they were worthless men, but David was training them to be polite men. He was training them to be good men. Eventually, later in David's story, some of these worthless men become David's mighty men because he has trained them how to honor people. So they go, they make a, a very legitimate request, and they do it in a very respectful way, and then they wait for Nabal to answer. Nabal is about to show you he is a fool. Who is this fellow David? Well, number one, we already know he's related to him. So he's a distant cousin. He knows that. But not, not only that, listen, Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think is it? he is? Not only does he know David, he knows his dad. He knows he's from the same family line. Then he says, there are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. What he's doing right there is he's declaring he, his allegiance to King Saul, whom God has rejected, and he's declaring that he's not going to be allied, allied with David, whom God has anointed. So not only is he, is he um, disrespecting David, he's disrespecting God as well. There are many servants these days who run away from their masters. Now, I want you to, this next verse, there are four eyes and two eyes. This is how he describes himself. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat, what that I've slaughtered for my shearers, and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? Not an ounce of gratitude in this foolish man's life for, for a legitimate service that's been provided to him. Nabal's, the only topic that a Nabal will talk to you about is Nabal. The fool is full of the foolishness. Now back in the hills, David's already fired up the grill. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. Chilies, baby back ribs, barbecue sauce. Dude, he is, he can taste it already. It's going. And he's been thinking about this. He hasn't had a meal like this in months, and now it's payday. It is time. And you know what's going to happen. So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Now remember, before we see this, remember David's emotional, spiritual, physical condition. He's done. He has had it up to here. And if he had a warning gauge on, it would say volcano eruption imminent, right? Get away. So they come back and they tell him, tell him what he said, and boom, volcano explodes. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. The 400 men started off with David and 200 remained, remained behind to guard their equipment. Now, you need to understand, when you are pushed beyond your limits, just like people in the Bible, you always overreact. No tip, I'll kill you. Right? That's exactly what was going on. Now, here's the interesting thing. One chapter before, Saul had the, was trying to kill David. David had the opportunity to kill Saul. David said, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. He had every legitimate reason to kill that guy, but he said, no, he's God's king. One chapter before, one chapter after this. He has another opportunity to kill Saul. He refuses to kill Saul, but one guy doesn't give him a few bucks, and he wants to strap on his swords and cut off not just his head, but every head of every man that's there overreact much? Why'd he do it? Well, 
for months, David had been collecting receipts. Now, um, if, you are, if you are a typical married couple, is there a pen up That's right, I don't need a pen. If you're a typical married couple, what do you do, ladies, when your husband says something really stupid in front of a crowd and it embarrasses you? I'm going to tell you what you do. You take a receipt. You probably don't say anything right then because you know. You know what kind of guy he is, and you, he's been doing this his whole life, and he's not sensitive, and he's not romantic, but you write it down. A few days later, he says something else. It's stupid. You're embarrassed. You don't say anything, but you take a receipt. And the more embarrassed you are, the more people, the more you're writing. And you're just writing down, and you're writing down, and you're writing down. And something else happens stupid this day, and you write it down, you write it down. And then Mother's Day comes, and you get to go to church and, and worship in your car or on the parking lot. And he gets dressed first. And he's like, this is the one time in New Life Community Church that we need a good parking place so we can see the stage. And, and he thinks that if, if he rattles his keys and if he huffs and puffs enough, you'll know that, that he wants you to hurry. Does that ever work? By the way, ladies, does that ever work? Okay, so he gets ready. He's pacing, rattling the keys. That doesn't work. And he's going, honey, please, can you hurry? Please, can you hurry? And you're just giving him the look. So he does... Something totally illogical. He goes out and he starts the car as if that's going to make you go faster. And then he makes a fatal mistake. This happened this morning, Krista said. We'll have a testimony uh, in a minute. He honks the horn. And you lose it. You come out of that, that, that door with, with eyes on fire from the of hell you throw the door open you grab him by the throat you say you honk that horn again and i will remove your head from your body and he goes honey it was an accident oh no today is the day i've got receipts you're paying that's what happened to david you with me years he's been running He's provided a legitimate service. We're going to be told here that not only did they, they yelled, Nabal yelled at his men, spit in his face. And that's what happened to David. You say, I've had all I can stand, I can't stand no more. That's what David said that day, and he went off. This is the man who's described as a man after God's own heart, and he is not acting like a man after God's own heart, is he? This is the most dangerous moment in all of, in all of life. When you've been keeping receipts and someone is about to drop the last straw before the volcano erupts, you will overreact and you will kill for something that's not that big a deal. You've had it, you've had it and now you're going to give it somebody about to die. That's what's going to happen in this situation. And then there's a plot twist. In any good movie, somebody needs to make this movie someday. In any good movie, there's a plot twist and the real hero shows up and her name is Abigail. When you are going, about to explode, you need an Abigail. One commentator called her a cool hand on a hot head. Anybody ever had one of those? Anybody need one right now? Yes. Now, if you're thinking, you're thinking, he's an idiot, he's a worthless man, he's a fool. Why do anything? Why not get a bag of popcorn and let David take him out? But that's not a woman... 
who is a, is a woman after God's own heart. That's not what she would do. Look what she does. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us. We never suffered any harm. We read this one earlier. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. I love this line. You need to know this and figure out what to do. Why? Because Nabal's an idiot. Nobody can talk to Nabal. You're the thinking one in the family. Why? For there is going to be trouble for our master. Now, I don't know if they'd heard from David's men. I don't know if they saw David's men strapped for war. I don't know. But they said, we about to be in trouble, you and all the family. He is so ill-tempered, talking about Nabal, that no one can talk to him. Why'd they go to, to Abigail? I've said this several times. This is on your listening guide if you're following along. Because you can't talk to Nabal's. First time in history, somebody said, Dear Abby, we got a problem. Can you help? She jumps into action. I want you to look at or just listen to her shopping list. Imagine if you go to Walmart today and this is what you try to get from Walmart. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of, ra of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She even has dessert. This is the first full-service catering business in history as well. And the whole time, the whole time she's gathering this list, she's thinking, how can I talk to this angry man? Talking about David. How can I go to David and talk to him? And God says, I've been preparing you for this day because you live with a fool. I've been preparing you for talking to angry, this angry man because you live with an angry man. And she's thinking, you're right, Lord. And she's going to show discernment. God's going to show, uh, show her how to show discernment. And discernment, listen to this, discernment gets doesn't get involved in the panic of the moment. You ever get involved in the panic of the moment? That means you're not showing discernment. Her thoughts were, how can I honor God? How can I honor my husband? She didn't tell her husband why, because you can't tell Nabal's anything. You can't tell a fool anything. And if you're married to a Nabal, don't, don't elbow him. But you already know, you don't need an explanation. You can't talk to a Nabal. There's some things you never say to a fool. Now, I want you to, I dare you to try to tell me or convince me that God is not sovereign by what's about to happen. Because here's the next part. As she, Abigail, was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. Okay. David's got his swords on. David's ticked off. David's ready to slice some throats. And here's Abigail with a crock pot. And I believe she's smart enough that she was downwind. I think these angry men, you know, they got their swords. They're, they're just talking about all this stuff. They're about to kill somebody. I think it came over the hill and they're like... What's that smell? And somebody's going, man, I'm hangry. Somebody got a Snickers. Right? This, that, I'm telling you, that's what's going on in Scripture. David and his men had just been saying a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flock in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive in the morning. They're rehearsing it because that's what worthless people do when they get together is they trash other people to try to get ready for the battle. And then all of a sudden, beautiful woman with a crock pot. And they're like, we can't hit a beautiful woman with a crock pot, and I'm hungry. Right? Now, she didn't just appeal to his stomach. And ladies, you know, quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Right? She's way smarter than just to feed them. 
She is an incredible woman. Look what she does. Nabal had dishonored David. In that culture, it would be the same as spitting in his face, slapping him in the face. Abigail's totally different. Verse 23, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. I want you to listen to how she addresses David. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all the blame in this matter, my Lord. Nabal had said, who's this fool, David, and who are all these people? She says, no, you're my Lord. You're greater than I am. She falls down before him. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He's a fool just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young men you sent. Now, she's going to shift from this point forward, and all she's going to talk about is David. And she's going to call him my Lord. And then she's going to talk about the Lord, the Lord God, the rest of this speech. She doesn't even mention Nabal anymore because Nabal is insignificant in this speech. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. Nothing but grace, nothing but humility. And then she says, the Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty. You're the king. You're the anointed guy. You're going to have this incredible dynasty. Don't do this thing. He said, the Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you, are, you have done no wrong throughout your entire life. She continues, even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord, the Lord God, secure in his treasure pouch. You are special, David. Don't do this stupid thing. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord is, has done all he has promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to uh, bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. When the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. Nabal used four mys and, and two eyes in his sentence. In her speech, she talked about the Lord six times. She called herself your servant more than once. She called him... She said, you are my Lord. Now, have you ever had somebody do that for you? A cool hand on a hot head? Now, it, Janie has done that for me repeatedly in 29 years, but, but I'm going to tell you, I've done that for Janie a few times in the last couple of years. Haven't I, sweetheart? Where is she? Yeah. It's pretty cool to be the cool hand on a hot head. You need somebody like that. And if you're married to somebody like that, you're doubly blessed. If you have a friend like that, you're blessed. If you don't have a friend like that, you need a friend like that. Now, there's always more going on than what meets the eye. And in this situation, it's true. The devil, the enemy of God, wanted to derail David. The enemy of God knew that David was a man after God's own heart, and the enemy of God did not want a man after God's own heart on the throne of Israel. So he tried to have David killed by, by Saul. That didn't work. He gave David two different opportunities to kill Saul. That didn't work. So what does he do? He gets David um, incensed, and he tries to get David to kill this man named Nabal because if he did, it would taint his throne forever if he did things the way the enemy wanted him to. See, when, when you're in the heat of the moment, all you look at is this, the heat of the moment, and that's what the enemy of God wants you to do. But God wants you to look at the bigger picture. Listen to how David responds in verse 32. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Listen to this. Thank you for your good sense. 
Some of you need to, need to write a note like that today or a text. Thank you for your good sense, for talking sense into me when I was going to be stupid. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, return home in peace. I have heard what you said. I didn't just listen. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. Abigail goes home. When Abigail arrived home, she, she could have said, hey, fool, I just saved your bootay. She didn't. That's not a, what a woman of God does. She found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was about to die. She just saved him. He's throwing a party. He was very drunk. She didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. In the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. Listen to this. As a result, he had a stroke. She said, here's what happened. I just saved your skin. He had a stroke. And he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. I believe the Lord was allowing him to rehearse all of this in his mind for 10 days. And then it says, about 10 days later, the Lord struck him dead. The Lord struck him, not David. Are you with me? When you listen to an Abigail, somebody who has a cool hand, when you have a hot head, God takes care. God says, vengeance is mine. It is not yours. He will not share that with you. God struck him dead, and Nabal died. Now, I can't promise every woman of an angry husband that when the truth comes out, God will cause him to have a stroke. I can't promise you that. That's not the point of the story, but here is the point. God will reward in his time. God has a plan, and he has a time. Rarely is his plan your plan. Rarely is his time your time. But when you wait, he will reward you in his time. See, all of us, how many of you knew the story of David versus Goliath before you came today? Let me see your hands or honk your horns. Come on, honk. Y'all hadn't honked in a while. All right. How many of you knew the story of David versus Nabal? All right, a few of you. All right, a few of you. But here's the deal. David versus Goliath is a battle that God called David to fight. David versus Nabal is not a battle that God called David to fight. It's a battle that the enemy wanted David to fight. And praise God, there was an Abigail who intervened in this. Now, if you know the rest of the story, you know that after he died, David's like, hey, Abby, why am I mourning all day long? Let's get married. I mean, that's what happened, and they do. David's like, she is beautiful inside and out. She's a great woman. She'd make a great queen. So they got married, and they lived happily ever after, right? Nope. There is no happily ever after in this lifetime. They had problems. David married several women against God's word. In fact, Abigail wasn't even his first wife. She was his third wife. But can I say this? God gave her an upgrade. He went from the fool God gave her the upgrade, not she went looking for an upgrade. She did what God told her to do. God took care of her, gave her an upgrade. That's all I'm going to say about that. So what can dear Abby teach us? Two things and we're done. You need to hear this. Superior strength is no match for discernment. Superior strength is no match for discernment. Did David and his men have superior strength to Abigail in her crockpot? Who won the battle? Abigail. My, my memory verse for this week fits with this, and here it is, Ecclesiastes 9.18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. 
but one sinner destroys much good. We can have a whole lot of wisdom in our church, but if you're, if you're determined you're not going to be wise, you can do a lot of bad in the kingdom of God. So we got to follow God's word and do what God says. There's going to be some times that we have to confront people because they're not doing what God wants them to do. We'll confront them in love. We're going to do what the Bible says. We'll come to you one-on-one. We'll come to you with a couple of witnesses. And if that doesn't work, we'll tell it to the church and we'll do church discipline. And do you know what? You know that this, that this is just free for y'all today. I just learned this recently. You know how we always say that where two or three are gathered in God's name, he will be there in their midst? Did you know that that is used in the context of church discipline? It is in that chapter where it says when you do church discipline the way God wants you to do it, God will be there where two or three of you go together in the name of God and confront somebody in love. That's where God will be. So we need to quit using that incorrectly. God's with us everywhere whether there's two or three of us or not, what he's specifically promising is when you do discipline, confrontation God's way, he will be in your midst. Second thing we need to learn from Abby is God rewards discernment. Discernment doesn't get caught up in the panic of the moment, and I think a lot of us do. Wouldn't you like to be the type of person that, like Abigail, that God could write a story about Incredible wisdom. Not just beauty on the outside, but beauty on the inside. The, the whole package. You know, I, I didn't look this up, but there's, there's a verse that comes to my mind quite often. It says, as, ring, as a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion, who lacks discernment. What a, and I actually think sometimes when I see some, some, somebody who's beautiful on the outside acting like an idiot, I think, what a waste. God's not going to bless that life. The life God blesses is the one who's beautiful on the inside. I think of my mom. My mom did some, some kind of interesting things, but my mom had a love for Jesus that was infectious, that, that, that was contagious. And it's why I do what I do today. It's because of my mama. And, and I look forward to the day that I get to walk into heaven and see my mom again. And I want to leave that type of legacy, don't you? So let's, let's spend some time discerning what God's word says. Let's not be the hotheads. Let's, let's be the cool hands on the hotheads. And let's bring glory and honor to God's name. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for mamas. Thank you for all women that you have given discernment and discretion. We pray, God, that, that you would teach us from your word today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.